way of announcements this morning, just a couple of things to share. Uh, I think most of you got the message, but hopefully uh, all of you got the message that the potluck today is canceled. Uh, we had a couple of people uh, come down with COVID this last week, and so we figured it was best not to have the potluck. If you didn't get the message and you have food prepared, you've already got dinner made, so it's fine. So, uh, uh, that and then uh, just a reminder that our offering box is over there and uh, we aren't taking the offering, uh, passing the, the tray anymore. So, if you have an offering, you can do that. We also have an online offering site on our website and you may use that as well. And uh, let's see. I think that's, uh, oh, our daily, God, I'm sitting right here, daily breads uh, for this next quarter are here, so uh, feel free to pick one of those up, and especially the large print ones, this one actually, they're still off a month, uh, June, July, and August is the small one, and July, August, September is the, the bigger one, uh, so, uh, but this is a large print edition, so if you have someone you know that maybe is a shut-in that uh, has a difficult time uh, reading this fine print, uh, be, feel free to pick one up and take it to them and, and uh, bless them. So uh, those are here. Um, I think that's all I have in the way of announcements. Uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to open Your Word together now. And we ask that Your Holy Spirit would clear our, our thoughts and our minds to receive Your Word and, and that You would use Your Word, Lord, to strengthen our walk with You, our witness for You. And Lord... Draw us close together, close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll in the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, and we're going through uh, the marks of the true Christian. And uh, what we've got here is uh, the context of, of Romans chapter 12 again is the idea that if you start with the first couple of verses, is to uh, not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And as we are renewed, the marks of a Christian, as true Christian, become a reality of our attitudes and the way we think. And verse 9 starts with, let love be genuine. Uh, the idea of genuine here is rather broad. It means real, alive, but also meaning absence of hypocrisy. And so, uh, be, let your love be genuine and abhor what is evil. And so, genuine love seems to be a, an overall theme here. And last week, I, I kind of jumped into the middle of a paragraph uh, and where the idea of, is that all possible to be at peace with all men. And those two together seem to be the overall thing. Genuine love and be at peace with each other. And verse 14 is where I want to focus this morning. And uh, I'm just going to read that verse. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, I probably do. Uh, because we're all pretty much the same here in this context. It's very hard when we have someone who uh, is spokenly, outspokenly against us or, or has something against us 
or says unkind things about us or whatever it might be. And to turn around and, and say uh, to be at peace with them as much as possible using that phrase that comes later on in the, in the paragraph here. But this idea of bless them is, is amazing. And I, so just this idea of bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And, and so let's, I want to look at these words first. The idea of bless. Um, eulogio or eulogio. It's the word eulogy. Most of the time we associate that word with funerals. Somebody is giving a eulogy about someone who has passed away. Now, you think about a eulogy, though. Think about when somebody gives a eulogy. They don't stand up there and tell you all the bad things about that person. The idea of eulogy is to speak well of of someone. To, to give a, a sense of, of, of blessing to them. Uh, to praise to pray for them. The word here involves the idea of the desire to pray for them. Asking God to bless them. Coming alongside, this is in this word too, coming alongside them in their time of need. Now think about this again. Bless those who persecute you. Come alongside those in their time of need, even though they have what? Persecuted you. How contrary to the way the world thinks, the way we normally think. This is what the idea of being transformed, the renewal of our mind. It has to happen and it can't come. This is not something that you can do consistently on your own. You might be able to fake it once in a while. But the idea of having this as an attitude, as a way you think without hesitation, requires the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and Him changing us, transforming us, renewing the way we think. This is not the way we, we come up. This is not what we see in the world. We see more of a, you did this to me, I'm going to do this to you type of attitude. And so, bless those who persecute you. To praise, to, to pray for, to come alongside, to ask God to bless them. The word persecute here, it has a, a fairly broad meaning. One idea is to cause someone to run or to flee or to hide in fear. In other words, they're afraid that this, you know, you're chasing them in a sense to persecute. They're hiding from you in fear. Now, Let's think about this in reference to, to the church at the time that uh, this, these words were being written. Persecution had started. There were times where the church was meeting, well, in Rome they were meeting in the catacombs. They were not meeting in, in a church building someplace like we have the freedom to do. And that's not uncommon in other parts of the world still to this day. The church meets somewhat clandestinely, meaning that it, it, it doesn't, advertised in the yellow pages that we're meeting on 10th and, and, and N streets or 13th and N streets or whatever. It, 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 it makes a, uh, this idea of persecution coming after the people who believe. And so this to run, to flee, to hide. By the way, I, 
being aware of, of the, the, the fact that uh, the church is still persecuted today, we have the, the magazine Voice of the Martyrs that we use. We bring, you know, get a few every month. Um, they are out on the counter out there if you want to read it. There's some great articles in here. Uh, they've been uh, involved in more than 50 years of service. And so they, uh, it's a great magazine. But we also have sitting out there uh, the 2022 World Watch List from Open Doors. And this is a 52-week uh, prayer uh, for the persecuted uh, churches. It, you know, somebody say, well, you know, do we, we wait until the, the beginning of the year to start it? No, it, it goes by, instead of saying what date, it just says week one, week two, week three. And so you can start it this week and go through a year. And it's an it's a opportunity to read what's going on and to pray for the persecuted church. Persecution also, in this context, means to in any way harass or trouble on a consistent basis. In other words, you're, I, I, I actually thought when I read this part of the, the definition, bully. Somebody who is a bully, <laughs> he's, he's a, he persecutes, he harasses, he, he troubles, he goes after, causes you to want to avoid. You know, oh, there's that person, I'm going to go out and go to the other store or whatever. You know, so that's, that's part of it. Um, they uh, are ones who, who are uh, subject to hostility and ill treatment. You know, they, they, they're unkind, um, especially because, and, and this is a, a heavy emphasis, uh, and especially because of race, politics, or religion. And so this kind of idea is that this is what this word persecutes. So bless the people who cause people to run and flee and to hide, who always harass and trouble, uh, cause hostility and ill treatment, uh, especially because of, of race and, and uh, politics and religion. You're supposed to bless them, especially if it's you they're after, if it's you that they're harassing. Our response is to bless them. And I again put it say, how inconsistent with the way my flesh feels. And then he says, bless again. You know, it, it's, it doesn't stop there. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. The fact that he uses this idea of bless two times. When, when Paul's doing something like this, he's using a, a framework that wants you to make sure you get a hold of this. Christians do not look for the opportunity to curse or to condemn, uh, but they look for the opportunity to bless even their enemies. Do not curse them. The idea of curse here is... is don't, you don't speak negatively. Normally we think of, of curse like, you know, doom them to hell or something like that. But the idea is to, to not speak negatively of them, to not slander them, to not wish calamity on them. And I was wondering, you know, what, you know, what, is the, what does calamity mean? And, and finally I found one that, that I could understand. Calam- to wish calamity on someone would be to say, 
Man, I hope he gets his. You think about it. That's, you know, he's been unkind. He's been mean. He's been, boy, when, the, when, the, when it comes around, he, I hope he gets his. That's not a Christian attitude. It doesn't fit with this idea of have a genuine love. As much as possible, if it's up to you to be at peace. It doesn't fit with that. This idea of to curse is actually the opposite of bless. So, again, don't, you know, you bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. Paul writes here, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to, good, to do good to one another and to everyone. It's a consistent theme that Paul keeps bringing up. Look at 1 Peter 3.9. Peter is in harmony with this thought of, of being at peace and, and, and all. And so, 1 Peter 3.9 Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to do this you were called, that you may obtain blessing. Remember Jesus said, forgive others as God has forgiven you. And if we don't have that attitude of forgiveness, there's a wedge between us and God, basically. So this attitude is, is this... This feeling is to uh, want to seek to offer forgiveness, to bless. And so, bless a persecutor. Like I said, it's not a normal reaction. I wanted to take a a slightly closer look at this through Jesus' own words. In the Gospel of Luke, in the sixth chapter, Luke chapter 6, starting with the 27th verse. Jesus speaking. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other side. Also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Love your enemies. Love your persecutors. Bless those who curse you. Those who abuse you. Those who would strike you. Those who would take from you or steal from you. Bless them. 
Read this next paragraph with me. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For some, for even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for He is kind to ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. And I thought He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And then I realized at times that's me. Do I find myself ungrateful at times? Yeah. Not very, you know, I'm thinking only if I had this or if I had that. And I'm not giving thanks for what I do have. How blessed I am. How blessed we are just to, to live in the country that we live in. As chaotic as it is right now in our country, we are still blessed to be part of it. Blessed to be able to come here and worship together without concern of having to fear or to run or to hide. This last phrase, verse 34, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Extend love where it's not deserved is this idea of mercy. To extend love, to extend grace, to extend forgiveness where it's not deserved. And the reality is that that's in a truth about all of us in reference to what Christ has done for us. Which one of us can raise our hand and say, I deserve grace? Not one of us. But His mercy has overcome our sins. He has cast them into the sea. He has cast them as far as the east is from the west. A lot of times people look at that and they say, well, I guess that's, that's a geographical term that's a geometric term as well. A linear line with the arrow at both ends, it never meets. Meaning it never comes back to you. Because He has covered it through the cross. Bless those who curse you, abuse you, strike you, steal from you. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Extend love where it is not deserved. Grace and forgiveness as well. As I was looking at this and thinking about it, I thought of of Stephen or Stephen, depending on which way you like to pronounce it out of Acts chapter 6 and 7. Stephen was doing all this work. In Acts chapter 6, it talks about the work that you know, Stephen was chosen as one of the, the helpers uh, for the, the church in, in Jerusalem. And he, was, and he was very busy. He was doing great things for the, for the Lord. And he was arrested by the Sanhedrin. And he was given the opportunity to counsel, uh, to speak for himself. He did, and in such a way, 
yeah, that that it put the burden on them because they had crucified Christ. And they drug him out of the city and they stoned him. And even as they were stoning him, he cried out, Father, forgive them. This is an example of what God wants in us. An attitude of heart that says, I will forgive those even if they would kill me for my faith. If they persecuted me for my faith. I will pray for them. I, would, I, I will bless them. I will ask God's mercy on them. And as I was going through this, it's one of those things that just, you know, deep in your recesses of your mind, something of, uh, that you read or, or heard someplace along the line comes back. And I remember the book, The Hiding Place. I, the, the story of Corey Ten Boom, her sister Betsy, uh, her, her father and, and family uh, were Jewish. Uh, well, they were Christians, but they were housing Jews to help them escape from the Nazi uh, persecution. And they got caught up with it, and they got caught and, and ended up in a concentration camp themselves. Corrie Ten Boom admits that she had anger and frustration and, and, and just had a rough time getting to the point where she could think of blessing anybody that was doing these things that were happening because it was horrendous of what was going on. But Betsy, her sister, her older sister, would pray for the guards. She would, she would bless them. She would, she would look for opportunities to, 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 if she had them, the opportunity to speak to one, to talk about their family. I mean, she, she went out of her way to try to get to a point to be, if you will, at peace with them. Even though she was at their mercy in the sense of, of, of the, uh, uh, the ability that they at any moment could strike her, knock her down, or even take her life. I wanted to read this testimony to you. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him. This is Corey Ten Boom speaking. A balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947. And I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. Can you imagine how difficult that would have been to go and speak to the people of Germany God forgives after all she had seen and experienced and had happened to her and her family. It was the truth. They needed most to hear it in that bitter, bombed out land. And I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from Holland's mind, I liked to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And I had my little paraphrase to that and puts up a no fishing sign. 
We're not allowed to go back and retrieve them. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. In silence, they collected their wraps. And in silence, they left the room. And that's when I saw him. Working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, I remember the blue uniform and the visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at the Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me. Hand thrust out. A fine message. How good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take his hand. He would not remember me. Of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him. And the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors. And my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. Nope, he didn't remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Again, the hand came out. And he said, will you forgive me? And I stood there, I whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men for their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. 
forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You need to supply the words, the heart, the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started from my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I'd never known God's love so intensely as I did then. And having thus learned to forgive in this hardest of situations, I never again had difficulty in forgiving. I wish I could say it. I wish I could say that merciful and charitable thoughts just naturally flowed from me, but then they didn't. If there's one thing I've learned at 80 years of age, it's that I can't store up good feelings and behavior, but only draw them fresh from God each day. I just felt that that was a perfect testimony to what we're talking about. What it means to bless those who persecuted you. To bless and to curse not. I can't imagine. I've never been persecuted in any way like that. I've had a few situations in my life, but nothing that I can call persecution when I look at the the persecuted church in the world today. And I realize that I need to to practice this idea of, of, of tied with it, the idea of forgiveness and grace and mercy. And that's what we need to draw from this. And it's not something that we have that we can stockpile. We have to ask God every day for His grace and His mercy on us as well as to extend it to others. I realized as I was putting this together that in order to be able to do this, in order to be able to bless others, to bless our enemies, I put it starts here. Let me share it with you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all our iniquity, who heals all our diseases, who redeems our lives from the pit, who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies us with good so that our, so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. 
He made known His way to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is to the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As Father shows compassion to His children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. And the fear here is not to be shaking in your boots kind of fear. This fear is to be in awe of who He is, what He has done, how He has sent His Son to save us, to redeem us, to purchase us for eternal life in the kingdom of God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. As we go to communion, communion is an opportunity to ask the Lord to renew our hearts and our minds, to bring our sins and ask for forgiveness to ask Him to cleanse us, to renew us, to transform us. Christ came in the flesh. You know, when we talk about the, the, the bread being the flesh of Christ, most of the time it draws us to a picture of Jesus on the cross and His flesh hanging there. But I want you to also include the fact that He, he left heaven. He emptied Himself. Became a man. Became flesh. He became a baby. Raised just like anyone else. If he fell, do you think he skinned his knee? Did he come out instantly speaking the, the words of God or did he have to learn to speak? You see, he went through all of that in order to come and redeem us. He became a perfect man in every way without sin. So let's sing together as we prepare our hearts for communion. And we'll share in just a minute. While we, we won't be passing the communion trays, we have up here the, the uh, cup. It's two cups with the bread and the, and the, and the, uh, the fruit of the vine and uh, together. So it's two separate cups. Or if you prefer, we have the packets. And uh, feel free to take either one, but we'll ask you to come up and to uh, pick them up while we're singing our communion song.
Gospel of Luke, the 22nd chapter, we have the Lord sharing with His disciples what we now call the Lord's Supper. Let me share with you verse 14. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with Him. And He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And He took a cup, and when He had given thanks, He said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, that from now on I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And He took a bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it, and He gave it to them, saying, This is My body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Likewise, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for these emblems that remind us of what you have done for us. That you emptied yourself, that you became a man, a servant to men, even to the point of the cross. That you poured out your blood. That we who might, that would confess you, believe in our, our hearts and confess with our mouths that you are the Christ, the Son of God. That you would bring eternal life to us. That you would make us citizens of the kingdom of God. That we will have that confidence, Lord, that we are yours forever that we have been given eternal life. We worship You and we praise You. And we think of the admonitions that we've shared today from Your Word. Cause us to be people who seek to be at peace. Who want to have a genuine love. Your kind of love for those around us. And Lord, help us to learn how to bless those who would persecute us. To bless and to curse not. We worship You. We praise You. We thank You. We think again of those words. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless Your holy name. Amen. Would you stand as we close? Thank You for being here this morning. Lord bless. Have a good day. Don't forget that we have these, the magazine out there, the Martyr magazine, and the World Watch List for Prayer. And uh, feel free to help yourself to those. Thank you. Lord bless.
Amen.